Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Recorded live. Welcome to a very late night edition of Mariners Talk, and those last two clips basically have described the Mariners season so far this year, and especially after today. And I am joined again by my host, Dan, who is calling uh, from the central coast of of Chicago. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the late night edition of the podcast. Thank you for inviting me on, Mike. 
Oh, anytime. You know I was you know I always love it when you're on the show, man. It's uh it's always a great uh it's re- it's it's really it's really fun when we do the podcast together because again, you know, and here's the thing, folks. This is really going to be truly the first unprofessional podcast that me and Dan do together. Um <clears throat> but uh you know, we talked for about uh what what was it? 50 minutes on the phone. I think maybe yeah. about 40 minutes before the podcast? Yeah, about 15, 20 minutes. Definitely, yeah, you told me it was like 40 minutes before. Yeah, discussing the night show. Yeah, yeah, we we went over the we went over the show and uh, we ha- we had plenty to discuss plenty of stuff to dis- uh to talk about. But uh definitely the first thing that we have to get on is the weekly review for the Mariners and um Dan, let's let's go ahead and talk today. I mean, first off, uh, and, and here's the thing. First off, by the way, all the highlights and the clips that we present here on Mariners Talk are official uh, property of both Root Sports and the Seattle Mariners. So uh, we don't take any credit for that, and uh, we just want that completely clear. That way, we don't get you know copyright uh, or anything, or definitely get sued because that's not the one. That's the one thing that we do not want to. Uh, happen here on the show is we do not want to get sued. Uh, but the Mayors lose 3-2 today. Felix Hernandez actually endures his first, and I will say this, this is this is actually his first no decision of the entire season. I mean, Dan, can you actually believe that? First no decision of the entire season for Felix. That's That's really shocking because Felix usually – has a couple of no decisions a year, and we're already in towards the end of June, and this is like the first one. It's pretty weird. It's abnormal. Yeah, because usually by now, usually by this uh, part of the season, Felix has got like what uh, I want to say about um, maybe about five or six no decisions on his, under his belt. Yeah, Felix usually, he's not really mostly about wins and losses. He's more about his stats, and we've seen that through the years. And But th- this year, the the offense has helped carry him in his starts a couple times, or he's just completely fought up like those starts against the Yankees and the Astros. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, again, it, 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 I, think it's, I think it's actually very interesting that Felix actually, this is his first no decision because – for one thing, us Mariner fans, we're not used to seeing this. We're not used to seeing um, Felix take a no decision this late in the season, and especially when it's his first. And, of course, I see – I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, you know, here we, here you, sorry again, Felix, for this. Uh, knock, knock. This is only his first no decision of the season. And, and and I thought it was hilarious because people are acting, oh, this is this happens on a regular basis. It doesn't happen on a regular basis. This is basically the first no decision that Felix has had where he has actually had a quality start. I will, I will, I will actually say that because um, let me go ahead and uh, pull up Felix's uh, Felix Felix's page because I, I I think this is actually maybe maybe been his second no decision of the season because I'm pretty sure he may have had another one. Um. Let me go ahead and look. Uh, 
So, okay, so this was his second no decision. So this was his second no decision, but this was the first time of the season that Felix has left with the lead where he has had a no decision. So I will say that. All right, so I I will leave it at that because um, so this is the second no decision in 16 starts. I will say that, okay? 16 starts and only two no decisions. That is damn impressive, if you ask me. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, he, he's tied for second of all baseball and wins with Michael Waka at 10. Garrett Cole has 11 in. To have those wins is pretty impressive. I mean, he, a guy like Felix, he only has 135 wins in his career to 96 losses, and that ratio should be a lot bigger in the wins and a lot less in the losses. But over... As long as he's been in the majors, this team has just had trouble scoring runs for him, and that causes him to lose games or fall into the no decision category. And this season, it's been a little different, but not so much. It's just that the offense is carrying him more in games than we've seen in the past. Oh yeah, definitely. I I I wholeheartedly agree with you, Dan. Um, we're uh, let's go ahead and get on Felix uh, a little later because we do have to uh, get into the. Roundup, and of course we we got it. Let's go ahead and just start with today's game. Mariners lose three to two. Um, and here's the bad part: we lose three to two on a wild pitch by Tom Wilhelmson. And I will say this: um, Tom Wilhelmson just needs to serve drinks, and that's it, because I think his pitching career is really just gone straight down the shitter. Yeah, I mean since. 2013, he didn't look really well either. His curveball wasn't working for him, and he was all fastball, and that's not going to get the job done. And this year, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I saw him throw that breaking pitch today, and that thing dog sank into the dirt as far as the Titanic did. I mean, it, it was ridiculous how bad he was pitching today, and it's just embarrassing if you lose the game on a wild pitch. I mean, that that just that must feel bad, but also Tom just doesn't have it this year, and he he looks so funky out there. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's, it's the same story with the rest of the bullpen. I mean, Bimel doesn't look like himself either. He gave him a run today, too, and he also gave him two hits. I mean, our bullpen is just not as magical as it was last year, and Wilhelmson is definitely like some other, uh, some other suspects in this bullpen. They they just ruined this team a lot more than the other facts. Yeah, they have. Um, so let's go ahead and get on to the review real quick. First off, um, the Mariners strike first in this ball game thanks to a Nelson Cruz RBI double, and uh, Franklin Gutierrez was able to score. And here's and, and here's a good thing about Franklin Gutierrez: he's batting three thirty three uh, through two games, I believe, batting. So there's one positive about this game. He's batting well, so I, I will go ahead and take it from that. But again, Nelson Cruz doubles in uh, Franklin Gutierrez. Felix goes six innings, gives up no runs. He walks three. He strikes out eight, uh, only allows one hit. Um, Felix did leave, though, because uh, he did look uh, like he was injured. Uh, I was actually at work, so I didn't see the highlights. But um, uh, And uh, so... It was uh, 
it was up to the bullpen again to get the job done. They didn't do it. Bimel or Charlie Furbush comes in, gives up a run, one and th- one third of an inning. And then uh, Mark Lowe comes in. He actually he was the one that actually gave up the tying run. And then of course Bimel comes in. He gives up he gives up the go ahead run. But then in the bottom or the top of the ninth. Kyle Seeger, with two outs, and on a 1-0 pitch, comes to the rescue. Here we go, deep drive, right field, get it up, baby! High ball game, 2-2! And here's the thing. I watched that highlight. That was the first time I watched that highlight, and I saw Houston Streak's look, and he, knew, and as soon as the ball left Kyle Seager's bat, he was like, oh, shit, this game's tied up. Yeah, I mean, it's only Houston Streak's third blown save of the year, but as we know, Kyle Seager could be really clutch, and he showed that today in that tying home run. Yeah, he did. He did, and especially against Houston Street, who has really been a really clutch closer for the for the Angels. Uh, but of course, then of course the bullpen gives it up. Tom Wilhelmsen blows this thing. Um, uh, Fernando Rodney actually comes in and he pitches a really good uh, ninth inning. He only gives up a hit, but he pitches a good inning. And then of course Wilhelmsen gives up, uh, uh, throws it away. Wild pitch. Game over. Um, I, I will say this, uh, Dan, this was more pathetic than losing on a balk. Um, I, I don't really know how, I mean, a balk is really embarrassing at the same time, but this is really embarrassing too. And I don't know. I mean, they, they both are very embarrassing in my opinion, but it was, no matter what, it was really embarrassing that there was a wild pitch that they lost on. I mean, Tom had two outs, too. He was one out away from getting out of the inning, and he just threw that wild pitch, and it just costed the Mariners another win. Yeah, he did. He did cost us uh, cost us another win, and I will say this. That was perhaps that, – that, that, that's just a heartbreaker. It's heartbreaking to lose like that, and it's uh, – it's it's just it's just very it's truly it's truly um frustrating to watch this team struggle like this. I mean we bring in Edgar Martinez for our hitting coach. It hasn't helped yes. us. It it just hasn't helped us. What the hell is going to help this team? I I want your take down. What is, seriously, what the hell is is wrong with this team? And what is going and what do they seriously need? They just need some help. I think it's either a mental game or 
I, in my opinion, we need a new rebuild. I mean, a quick one. I don't think it has to take more than the off season to be honest. We have some nice, solid players here, and we should be able to turn some of these guys into some quality MLB Ray ball players, some minor league prospects. I mean, our bullpen was luck last year. Let's let's throw that out there first. That bullpen was extremely luck. You have guys like Bimel, guys like Wilhelmson, who had probably career years or close to it. And you had a guy like Rodney who is, say, I mean, he had another great year saving games. I mean, he had a couple blown saves. but And then you have Carson Smith call, be called up. He pitched well. Furbish pitched pretty, pretty well. Dominic Leone, he was pitched phenomenal, and we did not expect to see what we saw from him today. And so a lot of it was just keeping runs from scoring. I mean, the Mariners still did not score a lot of runs last year, and the bullpen just has totally changed its course this year, and it's giving up more runs than this team could score. And I just think it's time for us to revamp front office, trade some of our veteran pieces in the off season or now for some solid bats and pitching. I think our rotation looks pretty solid at the moment. They could probably use a pitcher or two for security purposes, but our offense, I think it could use some improvements, and definitely this bullpen needs some help. And our GM, we need a new GM. I want some sabermetrics guy. I'm sick of this. Let's trade for a bunch of power hitters and swing for the fences when we have one of the biggest ballpark dimensions in MLB. I, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I think that's something that everyone has said for a long time is that we need to get rid of Jack Zarenzik, and he is the problem. He has been the biggest problem. I will say this. Lloyd McClendon, he's not the problem. It's Jack Zarenzik. Jack Zarenzik does not know how to draft players. He does not know how to sign the right players. And he certainly, as hell, does not know what what. Which players to get? Because he thinks, oh, we need pitching. No, we don't. Our pitching's fine. We need hitters. That's what we need, Jack. So get your head out of your worthless ass and get some hitters. I mean, I, I, I don't care. I don't care how you got to get them. Get some hitters because this lineup that Lloyd is putting together, we barely have any hitters that are consistent. Yeah, I mean, Jack, I mean, Jim Jim McNamara looks, does the drafting, but him and Zerundic have to, I know there's something in there where they talk to each other about this type of thing. And they, they just, I mean, they passed up a couple of years ago on Anthony Rendon, and everyone thought they were going to go with Rendon, and they went out with, when they went with Danny Halton, who is now, I think his baseball career, I read a couple days ago, his baseball career is probably coming to an end. I mean, they had to shut him down again, and it's stuff like this. They just don't, they don't, they don't investigate things enough. I mean, trading for March Hummel, seriously, he's, he's not, they need to talk to Billy Bean and look on base percentage. Get guys, and we need guys to get on base. Our ballpark is too big. To try and hit as many home runs in Major League Baseball. I mean, we should be looking for extra base hits, not. Try. I mean, we hit the warning track, and that's pretty far. Our warning track is like home run distance in most ballparks. 
And then the outfielders on the visiting team catch it for uh, an out. I mean, they need to start drafting quality players instead of these guys who just have pop and trading and signing these guys. I mean, I mean, I was kind of happy when we got Cano. And, I mean, the, the thing that frustrated me the most about the deal was the 10-year deal. And I thought maybe this deal would be good. He'd be good for five years. But now this is looking like complete garbage. I mean, look at Cano right now. I mean, he's hitting only 241. The the the, the freaking Angels, I think I'm pretty sure they claimed their second baseman right now, Johnny Giafatella, off of waivers from, like, the Royals in the off season, And they had no idea who their second baseman was going to be coming into spring training. They had a battle for it. And he's making far less money than Cano, and he's hitting 266 with, let me see, with three home runs and 27 RBIs. Cano has... Cano has uh, 24 RBIs, so they're and four home runs. They're pretty similar, and the guy and Cano is probably making 23 more million dollars than him. It, it, Cano should be playing at a superstar level like he's being paid, but as we see, this was not a smart deal at all, and it's going to cost us probably a lot. And even signing Cruz was not a smart deal, giving him four years. I mean, the guy's 34 years old. Just these moves that Jack Z makes is ridiculous. I mean, I'm getting sick and tired of spending my time watching these ball games, and then just after the ball game, getting extremely pissed off because I wasted my time while while they're winning, and then all of a sudden it just collapses like a train or running off rails or something. I mean, it's insane to just see Jack Z do the things he does. Yeah, definitely. I I totally agree with you. Um, getting on to uh, let's go ahead and get on to the again the weekly review. First off, uh, uh, let's go ahead and get on to the first game of this week. Uh, a four to one loss to the uh, Kansas City Royals. To be truly honest, this game started out really well because on the tenth pitch, this happened. So there you go. Ten. So after ten pitches from Joe Blanton, Mariners have a one nothing lead on a Robinson Cano home run, and that was it. That was it because the Mariners in this one only get two freaking hits. And I'm gonna go ahead and pull up. A, I'm gonna go ahead and pull up a, a quick clip from again Major League. I got to do this again because this this is just. Because I, I will say this, this was a pathetic outing, and especially against, um, and and especially against. Uh, actually, I'm not going to pull up the major league, but especially against Joe Bland, because this was this was seriously a game in which the Mariners should have just teed off on Blanton, and Hernandez totally lost it after the second inning, and I don't know what has been wrong with Felix Hernandez this month, but he has just not been pitching. 
like the king this month. He he goes out, he pitches a great game, he comes out, then he then he pitches a terrible game. Comes back, pitches a great game, goes out, pitches a terrible game the next game. I don't know what's wrong with Felix this month. I'm gonna say this, but about Joe Bland, the guy looked completely different Monday night. I mean, seriously, he slimmed down completely from what we saw him the last time. His fastball was hitting 91 miles per hour on average, and he had a great slider. I mean, it was pretty pathetic that the Mariners only had two hits, but the guy, their 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 tape was probably completely different. Their their game plan was different. I mean, the guy looked fantastic. I, I was so stunned watching him. I was unbelievable how how great he's come back to the major leagues. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. It, it was it was truly impressive to see him because again, uh, let me go ahead let me go ahead and pull up Joe Blanton's. Um, career against the Mariners because I, t- I tell you one thing. Uh, we said this last week in the podcast is that the Mariners, they really do hit very well off of Joe Blanton. And I just looked him up on Bing and his picture comes up. And I swear to God, I just I just got scared because his his picture is very creepy. That's a truly, it's a truly creepy picture. So let me go ahead and pull up his splits. And uh, this is going to take a little bit of time. Sorry about the wait, real quick. Um, all right, so if it will get done loading finally. And uh, so. All right, come on, come on, come on. Uh, all right, so here we go. He has a 9 and 7 record against the Mariners, a 3.58 ERA, but in 19 starts. In 19 starts, the Mariners have actually teed off on them. Okay, they've they've scored 51 runs on them in 19 games, so that's not too bad. That's basically, um, that's basically pretty even. I mean, the Mariners have hit really well against Joe Blanton in his last six starts. That is, though, that's the thing. They've really hit they've really hit him well against in his last six games, but uh, not counting this one. They didn't hit him well. Well, yeah, but he pitched really different last night. So, I mean, they probably their game plan was completely different. They probably picked something when he was at the Angels, but he, he looked really well. I, I was stunned, like I said before. I, it was insane. And Felix just didn't have it. Yeah, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, moving on to the next game, um, this was a game to where fans got a I'm try, I'm trying to even find the words. They just they just saw a career night from Mike Montgomery who became the first Mariners left-handed rookie pitcher to throw a complete game shutout. And here's the highlight from his amazing and unbelievable night on the mound. Montgomery on there. This will be his fifth start. 26 of 30, has 12 strikeouts, 8 walks, bonus hitting 224 against him. And Hosmer, a strikeout. That's a big-time punch out for Mike Montgomery. He really needed it. And now a double play ball gets him out of the first inning. Right side, Logan Morrison, only played out of second base. The first Montgomery on the receiving end. 
say this. Mike Montgomery is perhaps the third best pitcher on this team right now. And I say third because I'm going to and Dan, I want to get your I want to get your take. This is truly this is truly my opinion. You go Felix Hernandez, who is the king, he will always be the king even if he is having a rough time. And then because he's on the stretch that he is, Taiwan Walker is the the second best pitcher. Because you got you go six and one with a one point nine two ERA in your last seven starts. I'm going to put you right there at the number two. And then of course you have Mike Montgomery, who has done nothing, and I mean nothing but impress since he has been called up. And to go out and throw a complete game four hit. 10 strikeout shutout against the team that drafted you. You are going to be put up on the number three spot on the top three pitchers for the Mariners right now. Oh, I definitely agree with you. I mean, Felix, I mean, even though he's been up and down, he still has been best pitcher on this team. Walker, definitely ahead of Montgomery because he's had more starts. And he's looked better at times. I mean, his stuff is definitely better than Montgomery, too. I'll put that out there. But Mom Montgomery, he – Mike Montgomery, I'm sorry. He just he, – his stuff isn't necessarily the fastest velocity-wise, but he just knows how to fool hitters at the major level. He has great command and great control of his stuff, and you saw that against the Royals. I mean, he was aiming breaking pitches where he wanted them, fooling hitters like Alex Gordon and – Mike Moustakis and Eric Hosmer, I mean, he, he just looked amazing out there. And I think it's great to have him, and hopefully they don't get rid of him. I mean, we, the, those three right there are a great one, two, three punch. And I've liked what I've seen from Mike so far. And I, I hope they don't get rid of him. 
because I think he's going to be a great pitcher, and he showed in this game against the Royals. He did. He truly did. And I and I was just damned impressed. I was truly impressed with Mike Montgomery. I've never seen a, a kid like him just literally get called up and pitch the way he does. He is impressing not only me, but he's impre- impressing every single Mariners fan that looks at him. Because here's the thing. You know, people, when they first when they first heard the idea of him coming up for James Paxton, they're like, oh, here's going to be a rookie who's going to give us, you know, oh, maybe four-something inning or five innings of, you know, really crappy pitching, but, you know, we'll still possibly maybe even get the win. No, he's come out, and he's just dominated. And to yeah, go Mike. out and again, and to go out and again, pitch a shutout against the reigning American League champion Royals is just even more impressive. Yeah, Mike, I mean, Montgomery's one of these guys that, I actually was really happy when he came up because I, I've seen some stuff from him and I like what I saw. I think his issue was that uh, I think it was a head thing at the minor leagues. I think that's why he hasn't been so good. Sometimes I feel like these guys just want to be called up and they're just not getting the call up. And I think that might have been the case for him. And now that he actually got the chance, he has put everything forward and he has just looked like He's been pitching for like a year or three or something like that. He's looked like he's been a veteran. And to be a rookie, he has not even really struggled that much. I mean, he every time out there, he is, I'm pretty sure he's given up four runs or less. And there's a lot of performances. He's only had a couple of starts, but he's given up like three or less which in seven innings, which is a quality start. And he's looked excellent. And if he can continue what he did against the Royals where he was striking them out, a lot, like, in the case, he will definitely be a great pitcher. If, I, I like pitchers who can strike guys out because it weakens the chance of the ball going and being a fly ball and being in the ground, being on the ground for the fielders. I, if you can strike guys out, that that's great. And, and, and Montgomery didn't even get any runs. He pitched a complete game shutout. So he... Limited team who has definitely been scoring a lot of runs this year. I mean, I, I've been impressed with the guy all throughout his time at the major league level. I have too. It's been impressive. And let's go. And and here's the thing. I actually want to give some credit also also to Dustin Ackley, who came within a triple of the cycle. And if it was, and I will say this, Dan, if it was not for Lorenzo Kane. Dustin Hackley would have hit for the cycle that night. A three-for-four night, a home run, double, single, two runs scored, two RBIs. But again, if it was not for Lorenzo Cain running down a, ba- running down a fly ball, Dustin Hackley would have become the, I think, the fifth Mariner to hit for the cycle. Yeah, I mean, actually, we all know he has talent somewhere. It's in his head. But, yeah, I mean, he's a really impressive ball player when he's on fire. And that game, we we said it last week's podcast, that Ackley was probably going to play this game because he has great numbers against Jeremy Guthrie. And he went, he, put, he had a home run off of him, I believe. I believe that home run was off of Guthrie. Yep, Jeremy Guthrie. So, yeah, I mean... 
Now, this was a great call by Lloyd to put Ackley in the lineup, and he just showed what he could do against Guthrie. And yeah, it, it was a great performance by Ackley. I, I got to agree with you on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. And uh, here's the highlight from Dustin Ackley's uh, two run shot that made it 6 nothing in the bottom of the fifth against Guthrie. So watching that highlight again, I didn't notice this, but some asshole Royals fan caught it, and he actually faked people like he was going to throw it back. And uh, here's the thing: look, I don't, I don't want to criticize. I usually do not criticize fans because here's the thing: um, I don't notice them. But doing that, I mean, come on, you just, you just look like a complete douche asshole. I, I'm going to say that you just look like a complete ass when you do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, fans are used to doing it. I mean, I, I live by Wrigley Field, and every time the opposing team has a home run, people throw it in the stands. I mean, it's just tradition. And I don't know, maybe it's tradition for that guy too, but it, it definitely doesn't – we definitely don't like that, but it just happens, I guess. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, moving on to – the Wednesday game, the Mar- this is this is one that Rowenis Elias would love to forget, and I mean truly would love to forget. Uh, after three straight uh, innings of just you know dominating, the fourth inning was a disaster. Nothing but a disaster. Seven runs come across for the Royals, and this Mariners team is actually actually able to punch nine hits. And here's the thing. Mike Zanino had two. He went two for four in this game with no strikeouts. And we lose eight to two. We had four less hits than the Royals, and we only scored two runs. That's really horrible. But the good thing about this game is that Franklin Gutierrez was actually... Uh, Franklin Gutierrez gets the call back up, uh, he actually does hit his sacrifice fly, but I'm actually going to pull up the highlight of Gutierrez's first at bat in a long time. And uh, let me go ahead and find it because let's go ahead and look. Um, oh, here we go. So Franklin Gutierrez's first hit within two, uh, in over two years, and here it is. There you have it. Franklin Gutierrez's first base hit in over two years. I will say this. That's the one positive thing that came out of this game. is Franklin Gutierrez's return and him getting his first base hit 
in over two years. That's got to feel really, and I mean really good, to for feel or for Franklin. Yeah, I've got to agree. I mean, the guy hasn't played professional baseball at the major level in a while. I mean, he's been at Triple A all year. He's been smashing the ball, and the for him to come back up and hit a single, that's pretty great. I mean, he's coming back from some really serious injuries, and he's come back a long way. And hopefully he can be a great left fielder for us this year and possibly a couple more years. I mean, he's over 30 now. I'm pretty sure he's like 32, 33. He's getting old, but he's still got – he's really talented. I, I remember 2010 when he won that. No, 2009 when he won that gold glove. I mean, he, he was a phenomenal baseball player when we got him. And he, he he's just been really unlucky with injuries the last couple of years. But if he could stay healthy, I mean, I think it was two years ago he came up and he hit like 10 home runs in such a short span. Let me let, let me try and find it. He, he had a certain amount of home runs in the span. And it was he didn't even have that many plate appearances. It, it was crazy. Here we go. I found it. Yeah, and 2013... He had ten home runs and only and only worthy at bats and only 145 at bats, 41 games. That, that that was, I mean, he has pop in his bat, and we all know it. And if he can hopefully stay up the rest of the season, who knows what he could do? But I'm pretty sure it will be a positive impact. Definitely, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, the Mariners do have a did have a, a day off on Thursday uh, to go to Anaheim. And face the Angels. So on Friday, the Mariners' fresh prince was in effect. And I say he was in effect, and I will just let the highlights do the talking. Taiwan Walker on there looking for a sixth win. 494 ERA continues to drop. I must be some on that pitch. The end of the first inning. Struck him out. Imported swing. Struck him out. Third strikeout for Taiwan. Tires Angels. One, two, three in the third. One, two. Pull down the first. Oh, That's a strikeout. Another two runs. Pitch. Swung on and missed. Struck him out. Five strikeouts for Taiwan Walker. Back to the back cage here in the fifth. One, and two. Struck him out. Wow, what a big K that was. Taiwan Walker, his sixth of the evening. So, the Mariners' Fresh Prince, again, in effect, and Taiwan Walker, seven innings, one run, and the only run that he gave up was a first-inning home run off of Mike Trout. And to be truly honest, look, I don't uh, put any blame on uh, Walker, because here's the thing. Mike Trout's almost impossible to get out. Because I will say this, and and, I, and even though this is a Mariners podcast, I will go ahead and say this. Mike Trout is perhaps the best player all around in baseball. And he is one of the most impossible guys to get out. But again, Walker is able to go seven innings only allow one run on seven hits. 
and six strikeouts. I got to ask you something, Dan. Is this kid even human? Is this is this is this Fresh Prince even freaking human? I have no. I mean, he's been phenomenal this month. I mean, his stuff is just working for him. His fastball, his changeup, his he's confident out there getting ahead in the counts. I mean, he he just looks like a young Felix, except he's figuring out his stuff all around. I mean. This kid is going to be a cornerstone player if we lock him up for the next couple of years. I mean, I say if he puts up three great seasons in a row, we need to lock this guy up. I mean, he's only 22, and we should give him, like, a deal like Felix got the first first time. I think it was a $75 million extension. We need to give him something because this guy is for real. And we're just going to see it for the next couple of years as he continues to grow as a player and grow as a pitcher and learn his new pitches and start throwing in more breaking pitches. I mean, this guy might even win a couple of Cy Young. I mean, he is the real deal, and he is such a phenomenal pitcher, and I love watching him pitch. Oh, my God, do I? I do, too. And here's the thing. Look, I will say this. I actually had him on my fantasy team, and I should have given him even more of a chance because I, I really regret letting him go. I, let, I really do regret letting him go off my fantasy team. But I said this. I, 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 have, I had nothing but confidence in Taiwan Walker because I, I knew he would find that stretch to where he would win this many games. And here's the funny thing. Taiwan Walker has more wins than Clayton Kershaw. Now, what does that tell you? What does that tell you when Taiwan Walker, who who people thought that was not going to be the pitcher that they thought he, he was going to be, has now has more wins than Clayton Kershaw? I find that hilarious because Taiwan. I'm so proud of Taiwan Walker. He is now at a 500 record with his pitching record, six and six. But here's the. But again, the funny thing, he has more wins than Clayton Kershaw. I find that hilarious. Well, I guess one guy's getting better and one guy's getting worse. I mean, seriously, Ty, the the thing about players like Taiwan at their age is they have the most. They're young still, so they have as much of the ability to do anything as possible. The only issue is with young players is sometimes their head really impacts them, and Taiwan quickly grew out of that, and it's really impressive for a guy his age. And it's good. I mean, he's going to be a phenomenal pitcher in his career if he continues this trend. I mean, it's just great to see him back at a 500 record. I hate seeing him have all these losses because a lot of those losses, some of those losses have been the team just not scoring runs through him. And now, he's at a, now he could have a over 500 record, his ERA is coming back down at that four six four. I remember when it was in the high sixes. He's just getting better and better, and he could probably end the season with an earned run average around three and a half, probably maybe a little bit lower. But by the end of the season, everyone's going to know that it was worth not trading him for Dustin Upton. I, I wholeheartedly agree, and and to be truly honest, Justin Upton didn't want to come to this team, and I and 
I'm glad we didn't trade for him. Uh, one highlight also in this game, uh, Robinson Cano uh, decides to, I will say this, he just hit a Titanic shot. And I don't use Titanic in a sinking manner. I use it as a huge definition. He absolutely crushed this ball. And here's the highlight from Robinson Cano's Titanic shot. And then you have Calhoun, the lefty, so he'll probably see Charlie. And then you can go to low for the two righties. Hey, wow. here we go. High drive, right field. Robinson Cano. Goodbye. So Robinson, I will say this, Robinson, you know, he had more to smile about in this. As I'm going to, as I'm going to, let's go ahead and play this clip right here, because this was a clip that really um, not only did uh, Mariner fans really react negatively to this, it was, it was actually kind of a mix because uh, in this game, there was a challenge in the, I think it was the second inning. Um, was it the call at first and the third? Yeah, I will say this. Um, I, I want to know this. What is the point of getting a replay system if the Mariners are going to constantly get royally boned? And I mean royally. This was a play. Austin Jackson hits it. I will say this. He wasn't out. Austin Jackson hit an RBI infield single that was overturned because of not enough evidence. What evidence do you need when you can, when you can clearly see on the replay that his heel hit the bag before the ball even touched the back of Pujols' glove? I'm watching it right now. I'm seeing. I'm going to tell you my. I didn't see this play in live, so first time I'm seeing it. But yeah, Ibar was throwing the ball, and uh, oh my gosh, he is safe. <laughs> the ball bounced, and Pujols had to go down. Here we go. Here we go. This is this is even closer. Well, yeah, he is safe by a mile. Oh, <laughs> oh there's my. replay at its best. <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> This is awesome. This, this was the first time you ever seen the replay, and I love your reaction. The Mariners act ridiculous. Like I said, what is the point of getting replay if you're not going to use it? I mean, hello, he was clearly safe. And then it takes you two minutes to make a judgment <laughs> that he's not safe? I mean, you got to be... You take that one to judge's play, and then you come up with the wrong decision. Well, what are these people's IQ in the in the research group? Seriously, oh they probably God. have a lower IQ than Nicki Minaj. <laughs> oh my God, this is awesome! The first time you ever seen this one, and oh my God, this is awesome! But oh my gosh.
We got we to gotta get on to Cano's, though, because we, I know that you're upset at seeing this, but let's go ahead and get on to the highlight of Cano's relay. And and here's the thing. This was the first time that I've seen Cano really smile, uh, truly. So here's, the, so here's the highlight, the full highlight of both Cano's relay and the, uh, and the replay. So here you go. Love having on your team. Hey, play again. Every little thing you can ask for. Coming in, Seeger makes the grab of the Cano throw and puts it on him. Robbie Cano throws him out. Yeah, snap throw. You take a look at it. Looks like Trumbull had a little bit of an issue picking it up. There it is. And then he gets it, throws a strike to his cutoff man, and Cano gets rid of it quickly. Snap tag by Kyle. Well done. 8 4 5 of the put out. Snap double for I out of the dugout. He wants to take a look at it. Close play at third, much closer than we expected it to be. You can see the throw was a little bit high right when Ibar was going into a slide, so Kyle had to go a long way to put the tag on him. Snap throw by Cano, though. Yeah, he was ready, he was ready to get rid, rid of it quickly, and he was able to do that. Take another look at it. Ivar, right when he goes into a slide is when Kyle receives the ball. You can see how high it was. Hard to tell from that angle. There's, this might be a better look at it. I think Kyle gets it. That is close. Not turned away from the big video board right center field. Take a look at our Alaska Supermo and the tag. That was the full three-minute highlight of the replay. And here's the thing. I don't know what Angel fans were complaining about. Because here's the thing. Look, um, the umpires, they already screwed the Mariners on one play. This should have been a 4-1 to victory for the Mariners. But thank you, 
to again and and again, Dan, you watch the replay. Jackson was clearly safe before the ball hit the back of Pujols' glove. And, again, I, I was just trying to figure out. I was truly trying to figure out why it was taking over three minutes for those umpires to, just, to say he was safe. And then as soon as they, as soon as they actually were, took that long, I was like, oh, my God, these sons of bitches are going to call him out. And I was right. But thank but thank you, Jesus, that redemption came for the Mariners in this challenge. And I will say this, Robinson Cano, his back was turned, so he was not even looking when he threw the ball. He threw a perfect strike to Kyle Seeger for the out. And I thought that was damn impressive. And especially Mark Trumbo's relay too. Yeah, I'm watching it right now. Oh, yeah, that was a great throw by Cano. Well, yeah, that, that's – I mean, Cano's just a great defender in general. And that that throw by him just shows you some of his talent on the defensive side of the game. And that was definitely a great payback for the Mariners because that that play was ridiculous in the, in the third inning. I mean, Jackson was safe by, by a long shot. I mean, it, it takes two and a, about two and a half minutes or two minutes just to decide that, I mean, it's ridiculous. And uh, the guy is being paid in New York, and where they're probably, possibly, I heard, going to open another replay center in San Francisco. You can't be paying these guys money to blow big game calls. And, I mean, <laughs> that, luckily the Mariners got payback. They did. They truly did get some payback because that was also um, – that was that was truly redemption because again the Mariners they deserved that call to go our way. Um, again, it didn't. But again, here's the thing: the Mariners they won. That was that was that was the best part, and they gained a whole game on the entire AL West. But unfortunately, uh, the next two games were not something to uh, remember, and especially earlier today. But uh, the, the one thing that came out of uh, the win uh, for Taiwan Walker was uh, Rodney was able to shoot the arrow for the first time in a long time. And the last time he actually shot the arrow, it was actually in a Taiwan Walker win. And he actually pitched very well. I was actually really impressed with uh, Fernando Rodney. That's something that I haven't said for a while. I was really yeah. I, I was I was truly impressed with Rodney. I think he may have found it, but I'm not. But I was really impressed with what Lloyd said in the interview because he said he's not saying that Rodney is the closer again. He's not saying that Carson Smith is the closer. So he's not putting any type of uh, title on either Fernando Rodney or Carson Smith. But I think he is going to stick with Carson Smith for a little longer just in case Fernando Rodney uh, may have a little bit of control issue. But again... This save by Fernando Rodney, I was really impressed. This was the first, <laughs> this was the, truly the first save in a long time that he did not give me hard failure. He actually pitched brilliantly. I mean, he comes in, he only he only throws nine or excuse me, twelve pitches. Nine of them strikes. He strikes out two, gives up one hit, and he shoots the arrow for the fifteenth time this season. I, I was really impressed with Fernando Rodney. He he actually did really good in this game. 
Yeah, I was pretty happy to have to call an ambulance last night. I mean, I was pretty happy with Roddy. I mean, and it's good that Lloyd's not picking a closer yet because Rodney probably won this job back if he continues pitching well. It's all mental, I think, for him. I mean, he's probably – last year he he beat Mariners' record for saves and he led all baseball in saves. And, I mean, and then this year he probably is just overconfident and now he has to gain that confidence back and be the dominant another a dominant closer once again. I mean, Ronnie was really good last night. I mean, two strikeouts in one inning. That's pretty, we all know Ronnie has great stuff. And just if he can get that control and command going, he could be a pretty dominant pitcher. Oh, yeah. I, I, I know uh, Fernando Ronnie can be that dominant closer that uh, everyone remembers from a couple of years ago when he actually set records for the lowest ERA by a closer. But uh, moving on to the last game that we are going to get on, the Mariners um, had no shot against uh, Richards, against Garrett Richards. To be truly honest, Garrett Richards, he's actually, he is the Felix Hernandez of the Anaheim, uh, of of the Los Angeles Angels. Do you not agree with that, Dan? No, I totally agree. He's the best pitcher on their staff now that Jared Weaver has not been able to find his, be able to approach hitters after his stuff starts to decline. Garrett Richards is the best pitcher on their team right now. He's their ace. He's their king. Yeah, yeah, it, and it and it's struggling, and I will say this: it's very hard to admit that because it's not it's not every day that I have to compare or or say that this pitcher for this other team is the Felix Hernandez of that team, and especially when it's in again it's an uh, American League West rival. That's a very th- tough thing to say, but the Mariners in this game were terrible, one for ten. With runners in scoring position, and I will say this, Mike Zanino, he had no strikeouts in this game. He went two for four, two runs. He scored each run, and he even hit a solo shot. So he was the only contributor in this entire ball game. Now, I want to ask you this. How pathetic does that sound? How pathetic does it sound when I say that Mike Zanino, who is batting 169, was the only contributor to a 4-2 to two loss. Truly, that's, how pathetic is that? That's pretty sad. I mean, you got guys like Seager, Cruz, Cano, Smith, Morrison. They can't do anything. I mean, Miller also had two hits. But seriously, I, the big guy we traded for, Big Trump, He's not even – he had two strikeouts and three at-bats. I mean, he's not doing what we traded him for, which is really depressing. I mean, Seager, he had a hit, but it wasn't enough. Cruz had a hit, it wasn't enough. Cano didn't even have a hit. He left two runners on base. I mean, Seth Smith, he had a hit, and Morrison had a hit, but they didn't leave anybody on base. It, it was It's just a typical 2014 Seattle Mariners night. Let's – Leave runners in scoring position and not score runs. And I'm going to say this too: J. Happ pitched another garbage outing. Four earned runs is not good. Three earned runs, okay, I'll cut you some slack. But four and they give up five hits and walk two guys. I mean, and J. Happ, 
it will come better if when he. This is a little off topic, but when he comes back, he should definitely replace Hap. And if any of those other guys get out of rotation, I'm going to be mad. But overall, this game was just another typical Mariners loss that we've seen like 42. I think it's 40. Yep, 42 times this year. Another typical 40-second Mariners loss. This is the 41st one, though. Yeah, definitely. It it, it is truly heartbreaking when we have um, when we have a guy who goes out and does this, uh, you know, five outings now, because this is the fifth outing in which he's uh, lost a game like this, and it's 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 getting it's getting truly irritating and i really do hope he does replace or excuse me i i really do hope that iwakuma does replace hap when he does come back uh we are going to get into our first break and here's the thing we this has been in a full hour so this is our first break so that's pretty so that's pretty intense that's what you get when you get a late night edition of mariners talk so uh we are going to go into our first break of the night, and when we come back, we're going to get, go ahead and get into a little bit of a rant. And what I mean by a rant is that we are going to go ahead and get into a little bit of a debate between who needs to go, who needs to stay, um, including including with the general manager, because I know I know that Dan agrees with me. So again, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick short break. And uh, we'll be right back.
And we are back here on Mariner's Talk. And uh, first off, Dan, did you like the Celtic music choice, by the way? Yeah, it was uh, pretty different. Well, the only reason I actually played that, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but that's actually one of my favorite Celtic songs. But it was actually uh, Corey, uh, uh, performed by uh, James Horner and his orchestra. And I wanted to play that because, uh, as we know, just uh, six days ago, James Horner... Uh, died when his uh, aircraft, uh, his single-engine aircraft, uh, crashed in the Los Padres National Forest. Uh, he was 61 years old. Uh, I do want to send my thoughts and uh, prayers out to him and his family uh, through this difficult time because, I mean, for one thing, he actually was resp- he actually uh, composed music for over 100 films. And Titan, and, and here's the thing: I will actually admit this on. Live Air, Titanic is 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 by far my favorite film. I'm not afraid to admit that, and I'm being truly honest. That is actually my favorite film, and it's not because I'm a Titanic uh, fan. It's because I thought Titanic was truly, you know, a really great film. And uh, I mean, I'm, Dan, what, what's your take? First off, I I, I'm, I know I'm just being weird by asking that, but seriously, what's your take on that? It's sad news, and I send my condolences and thoughts to his family, too. And it's a sad event, and sad to see someone go. Hopefully, he rests in peace. But, yeah, Titanic was a great movie. It's not my favorite movie, though, but it was a great movie. <laughs> um, so we are now into our second segment of the night, and... Uh, it's actually, I think it's uh, past midnight uh, where you live. Is that correct, Dan? 12.42, and we're still going strong. <laughs> and uh, I, I definitely got to give a big shout-out to Dan, who is joining us. Uh, he does live in uh, in Chicago. And, again, I do have to give him a big shout-out because he is doing this. Uh, I did ask him to come on the show tonight. And, I again, I got to give him some credit. I mean, he's been the best co-host I've had in a long time. And... Uh, and for staying up this late at night, uh, for being you know two hours ahead of me, I I, I really got to give you a big old thumbs up, Dan. Thanks, my guy. I love doing it. Yeah, I copy up at eight, but I just love doing it. I could care less. I don't have to work tomorrow, and I try to get on as much as I can. If I don't have to work, I'm definitely on. I mean, I came on tonight. I definitely I, I just love doing this. It's fun for me, fun for you, fun talking, and I just like doing it. Yeah, definitely. And so now we are into our second segment, and where, and here's the thing: we're off the weekly recap. So let's go ahead and get into the more serious topic, and that's what we were discussing uh, firsthand. You were telling me uh, just uh, you were telling me before the podcast that we had that the Pirates let go a guy who is batting 289. Okay, they DFA'd a guy who is batting 289. I will say this: the Mariner. I think Mariner fans would kill, and I mean straight up kill, to have a guy who is batting two eighty nine. no matter if he's just hitting singles. The man is hitting. That's the thing. The Mariners are in desperate need of hitting. And I will say this. It's not a matter of the player's perspective. It's, it's, no, it's none of their it's, – it's not their fault. Because here's the thing, Edgar can't go out and hit for him. Lloyd cannot go out and hit for him. Jack Zarenzik can't go out and hit for him. It's their responsibility to hit. 
So it is a little bit on them. So we need players who can actually put together a decent batting average or at least get or at least play on a consistent basis. For one thing, I was really upset that Dustin Ackley was not put in the lineup the day after he nearly hit for the cycle. Why wasn't he put in the lineup? Because Lloyd, son of a bitch McClendon, said, oh, we got a lefty on the mound. I'm going to put all right-handed batters on the lineup, except for Robinson Cano and Logan Morrison, because I'm going to lead off with Logan Morrison. Yeah, keep doing that, numbnuts. See where that gets you going. I'm getting sick and tired of Lloyd McClendon's micromanaging crap and his stupid lineups of where he puts up nothing but right-handed batters against lefty. Stop doing that. Lou Pinella never sent out a lineup like that. I will say that straight up. Lou Pinella never sent out a lineup that was matched up against a left-hander or a right-handed batter. If I will say this, okay, there was a lineup where he put together, and, and I'm going to be honest with you, Dan, this is crazy of how I actually remember this lineup, but there was a lineup where he put Joey Cora, Alex Rodriguez, Ken Griffey Jr., Edgar Martinez, uh, Jay Buhner, Paul Sorrento, Dan Wilson, Russ Davis, and Jose Cruz Jr. In that order, okay, so first you have a switch hitter, a right-handed batter, a lefty, a righty, a righty, a lefty, a righty, a righty, and a switch hitter. Lloyd McClendon, or excuse me, Lou Pinella, if he was still managing this ball club, he would send out the same lineup every single day, minusing uh, players that he will give rest to, okay? <clears throat> and I think Lloyd is do, trying to do too much. I seriously think he's trying to do too, do too much. He needs to stop with these matchup lineups because it's not working for him. I don't understand why he thinks it's working. It's not. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, there's a certain way to match up. And number one, his players have not done well for him. Number two, he's not giving guys, like you said, Ackley, who should have gotten another chance to play the next day for having a terrific performance the night before. He's resting them after a great day, so they get rusty and – his lineups now are just insane. Why would you? I know Logan Morrison has a high on base percentage, but he should not be hitting first in the lineup over Austin Jackson. Lomo has no speed whatsoever. You need a guy that can walk and a guy that can steal bases at the top of that lineup. And Lomo is not a guy you're going to see stealing bases. It's just it's insane that he just what even when he has what he got. He played Ricky Weeks over Justin Ruggiano left field, which is ridiculous. I mean, the, the, the guy is crazy with these lineups. And, and if you're going to platoon, do it right, and he does not know how to do it right. No, he, he absolutely has no idea what he's doing. 
And here's the thing. I, I'm starting to question Lloyd McClendon because here's, here, here's the thing. Look, I, I get that Lloyd McClendon, he led us to one game within the postseason last year. I get that. Uh, but whatever you did last year, Lloyd, uh, again, it's just not working for you. Stop trying to think that you that, that what you did last year will work this year. It's not going to work. Because if you put the same same thought process as you did into last year and say, oh, I got a new team, I should do the same thing, and put it into this year, that's not going to work. It straight up is not going to work because it's just going to – it, it's it's actually going to confuse your players. I think that's the thing. I think a lot of players are confused by a lot of moves that Lloyd McClendon makes. And I will say this. I'm wondering who's going to be the first to go. Is it going to be Lloyd McClendon or is it going to be Jack Sorensen? And I have a bad feeling it's going to be Lloyd McClendon. And I really hope it's not. Because, to be truly honest, I really do have a lot of faith in Lloyd I truly do because he does get because that one tirade that he had uh, a couple weeks ago where he just went all off on those umpires. That's the that's the type of manager we need. It's Jackson Renzik who we don't need. Jackson Renzik is a straight up moron. I mean, I will say this: Bill Vivesi has a bigger brain than Jackson Renzik does, and that's pretty. Bad. When I'm saying that, yeah, Jack Zarenzik, he he, I'm gonna say this, he's getting too old for the game. This game is turning all saber sabermetrical and certain stats, and he's all just focused on power hitting. And it's it's not it's you gotta play small ball when you're in a park like Safeco because these guys are not all power. This park is, has huge dimensions. And all he wants to do is get these guys who strike out a lot and and hit home runs. I mean, the, the Astros are built the same way right now, but the difference with the Astros is that their pitching has been a lot better than ours has been this year. Their bullpen has been great, and their rotation has been great. Jack is just – I mean, he traded two – he traded a huge reliever last year in Brandon Mauer for Sussman. And I, I like in Smith. But, I mean, you got to find a way to replace – I mean, Mark Lowe has been great. And then – but then you don't know what's going to happen with relievers. Some years they have off big years, some years they have down years. And Dominic Leon just was not the same as last year. And Tom Wilhelmson, not the same as last year. Rodney, not the same as last year. Joe Bile, not the same. You have to be ready for these types of things. And I think him and Lloyd just expected, like – I mean, Lloyd, not so much as Zorenzik. Just like, oh, we had a great season last year. I think we'll build on top of it. We'll just throw the same guys out there, and we we should be okay. It doesn't work like that. You have to be prepared for these types of things. I mean, luckily, when Iwakuma got hurt, we had Elias in the minors, and when Paxton got hurt, we traded for Montgomery by then. I mean... You just got. You have to be ready for these types of things. 
And Zaxxon, you have to build a great, you have to put a strong core together and be prepared for being a ball club. And Zaxxon does not know how to find quality players, and he does not know how to back up the team in the sense of emergency. He is just, and then he keeps extending his plan. How many years are you going to give a guy? I mean, seriously, we, we saw Bill Bavazzi ruin this team in a heartbeat. And Zach Durant's like, nope, nope, I need another year, guys. Guys, I need another year of uh, player development. Him and Tim McNamara, Tom McNamara, I'm sorry, have been awful at developing players. The whole scouting department and player development, Chris Glenn, director of player development, these guys have done a god-awful job. I mean, they have built one quality player in the time Jacks are in this year who has been consistent. That's Kyle Seeger. I mean, all these other guys they've drafted have been bust. I'm not going to call Zanino a bust yet, but Dustin Ackley, I mean, he is not ever going to be the guy we thought he was going to be. And I think Tommy John in college made a huge impact on that, too. That just Overall, the front office needs a revamp. And like you said, I think Lloyd's going to go before Jack, and it's extremely depressing. It is. It, it's, it, it seriously is. It, it's. I will say this. It's truly pathetic that we see this type of... Um, I, want, I want to say this. Um, it's truly pathetic that we see this type of you know, drafting from Jack Sorensic, who, here's the thing, he's drafted Taiwan Walker. Okay, I will give him credit on that. He's drafted Mike Zanino. That was a good draft. But here's the thing, the way that he brought Mike Zanino up was terrible. Why would you let Mike Zanino not get a full you know, the full minor league experience before bringing him up? That is why I, I I truly believe that. Um, here's the thing. Um, I, I don't I don't think he I don't I I truly think that he isn't that Jack Sorensic is an idiot. And to be truly honest, when I see Jack Sorensic, this is all I want to really do. This is truly all I want to do to him. Got the. Okay, so the audio is not working, but uh, I, I was I was trying to find a I was trying to find a clip. Let me go ahead and find it. Um, so again, you know, this is a. Uh, let me find it. Sorry about this. Um. All right, so I can't find the clip, but I I honestly want to Homer Simpson choke, Jack Sorensic. Because it it just baffles me of how stupid he is. He has no yeah. idea what he's doing. He has not one clue how he what he's doing. And I think Jack Sorensic is the reason why this Mariners team is what it is right now. Yeah, I've got to agree. I mean, going back on Mike Zanino, we we got to look up why the guy was called up so early. The team had no catching death because guess what they did in the offseason? Guess what they did? 
They traded John Jason for Michael Mullis. That trade, I was so furious. Oh. I was so mad, man. Okay, Dan, you're honestly giving me a headache when you, when you just mentioned that trade. Because here's the thing. And here's the thing. Look, people have said, oh, you know, okay, go ahead and trade John Jaso. Guess what? I will say this. Um, the year that John Jaso played for us, he was clutch. And if you think I'm, and if you think I'm, you know, drunk or something, guess what? Screw you. John Jaso was one of the clutch hitters that we had on the team that year. He caught Felix every game that he played. He caught Felix's perfect game. And not only did John Jaso do that, he is he actually um, walked us off a couple times. Even though that we were not the home team a couple times, he did. He was nothing but clutch. And he was one of the best hitting catchers we have had in a long time. And I truly, truly wish we had never traded him. Why would you give him up for Mike Morse? I mean, look, when Mike Morse hit those six home runs in that one week, I was happy. But after that, I was like, okay, I don't know what the what's wrong with this guy. And here's the thing, and I will say this on the air, I truly fucking hate Mike Morse because he will – not hit in the American League, but he was sure as hell, sure as hell, hit a game-tying home run in the National League Championship Series for the Giants. He will hit home runs, and he will bat well in the National League, but he sure as hell cannot hit in the American League. And I truly hate Jack Zarenzik for trading John Jaso because he traded away one of the best hitting catchers we've ever had since Dan Wilson. We have not had a decent ca- decent hitting catcher since Dan Wilson. Yeah, I mean, and, and just going, I mean, the thing again, Mike Morris already played for us before. But what makes you think the guy's going to be good if he didn't work with you before? And seriously, they, they traded Jaso. Because they believe Jesus Montero could be a full-time catcher. you got to be kidding me. Even when he was on the Yankees, they didn't think he was going to be a full-time catcher. I mean, seriously. And then you have no death. You have no death because I think Sucre got injured that year too. And so you had nothing. And then that caused you to call up Mike Zanino and also trade for Henry Blanco. And if they were, I mean... I know Jay Wilson's the best defensive catcher in the world, but he's something. He he was something we he had two seventy that year we had. To. I mean, why why we already had morale. We needed catching, and he didn't even do anything. He knew the he knew that Montero could not catch, and Montero showed he could not catch, and he also had he also had. Struggle hitting that year too in 2013 when he was by himself. I mean, yeah, and and let me let me stop you on that. I want to say this: the Yankees, they don't trade people away unless they know there's something wrong with them. And again, I, oh my God, I fully and I fully criticize 
Jack Sorensic on trading an all-star rookie pitcher. Like, first off, let me ask you this. What normal general manager has the stupidity to trade away a rookie all-star pitcher like Michael Pineda? For God's sakes, the man is pitching well right now. He may have had a he may have had an off season last year because of the injury, but for God's sakes, he's pitching so well right now, and it just baffles me. Why would you trade him? I could not understand this trade because here's the thing: the Yankees are not going to trade away someone unless they know something is up. They would have never traded away one of the top catcher. Pro- he and here's the thing: Jesus Montero was a top catcher prospect that year when they brought him up. But again, they would. Ne- you know, the Yankees would not trade away someone that valuable unless they would, unless they knew something was up. Yeah, I mean, and then, I mean, then go back a year before. I mean. I'm trying to think. Well, I was just about to say that. Oh, yeah, Iwakuma. He signed Iwakuma in the offseason. He got lucky on that, that Iwakuma was able to sign for less money. I mean, and then he throws him in the – the team throws him in the bullpen for the first half of the season. And then once they put him in a rotation, they realize he's something special. It's like – and then you throw Nowessi in the – you throw Nowessi in the rotation over Iwakuma the first half of the season. What? And Kevin Millwood, and I mean, God forbid Kevin Millwood, that no-hitter was great. But seriously, this team has issues with players and picking the right players. And make it, Doug Fisher, too, trading for Casper Wells and Charlie Furbush and that Francisco Martinez guy. The only guy who ever did anything was Furbush. And Furbush has nowhere near... Nowhere near been as good as Fister. Just imagine right now if we had a rotation of if we had a rotation of Felix Pax no Felix Fister, Iwakuma, trying to think who else? Well, Pineda, and I'll throw I don't know Montgomery or Vargas in there. I mean, we probably would have been a lot better the last couple of years if we've had both guys. It's just I I, I don't think is the center of this problem. I agree. I don't. I have no idea why we never re-signed Vargas. We 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 should have signed re-signed him because he was again he was one of our best pitchers. But I I will say this: if we have never re-signed Vargas, here's here's the rotation I could see right now: Felix Hernandez, Doug Fister, Taiwan Walker. I will say that Taiwan Walker, Mike Montgomery. And maybe either Hisashi Iwakuma or James Paxton. And the only reason I say that is because, um, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just debating between those two and Rowenis Elias because I'm not sure yet about Rowenis Elias because he does have those games where he goes out and he will give up a couple runs and after he does that he will lose confidence in himself. I've seen I've seen it a lot of times, and I think a lot of other Mariner fans have seen that when he gives up a lot of runs, he will lose. Co- or if he gives up like three or four runs, he lose co- he loses confidence in himself, and then he gives up a couple more runs, and that's what has killed Rowan Elias in, in the past or 
excuse me, that's what killed Rowanis Elias last year too. Yeah, I mean, Elias did the other night against the Royals. I mean, gave up that had that seven run inning or whatever in the fourth. I, I mean, seriously, this team, if Jansen Rendick had a mind like Billy Bean, I don't think we would have been out of the playoffs for as long as we've been out. It's ridiculous to be out of the playoffs for 14 years at this point. I mean, they're lucky fans still come to games. I mean, seriously, and only to have a couple winning seasons in that span and seasons like 2010 and this year where they hyped up so much just to fall short. I mean, seriously, to hype off Cliff, to hype off Cliff Lee that year and then just to trade him for Blake Bevan, Justin Smoke, Corey Lugie, and the other guy. I forgot his name. But seriously, he just gets these big guys he has these good players, and then he just gets rid of them and thinks, oh, well, these prospects are going to be worth it. Justin Smoke, he was called up by the Rangers, and we should have kept him down in the minors the rest of the year. He rushed him, too. He just loves rushing these ball players. He rushed up and actually, he had this team, has this organization has an issue with rushing players and not developing them, and it is pissing me off. I no, I I, I full heartedly agree with you. It is it's pissing me off. And here's the thing, okay? I will say this, and and this is going to possibly piss you off even more. The Mariners right now are currently second in baseball with the longest current postseason drought. And and here's the thing. Look, I, I will say this. It's going to go. It's it's going to be 14 years because I, I think. Look. I I I want to have faith in this team, okay? I truly do. I truly want to have faith in this team, and I want to believe that we can still possibly make a postseason run. I really do. But it's very hard where we are right now. And I think it is going to be 14 years after this season. But the longest postseason drought... Right now are the Toronto Blue Jays, and they're possibly going to end the drought this year with the way they're playing. I, 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 and here's the bad part. It's been 21 years since the Toronto Blue Jays have seen the postseason, and the last time they were in the postseason, they fucking won it all. They won it all in 1993. So let me let me ask you this. How pathetic is it that the Mariners are second in the longest current postseason drought, they didn't. They have never made the World Series, and the last team who, and the team that who has the longest current drought of not making it to the postseason, the last time they were in the postseason, they won the whole goddamn thing. How sad is that? Truly, how sad is that? Twenty-one freaking years. It is really sad. I mean. And they have the same issue as the Mariners. They can't develop players. And the other two teams who just broke the streak the last couple of years, the Orioles and the Royals, look at those two teams right now. They have one of the – they both have some of the smartest general managers in baseball, Dan DeCutty and I think that's how you say it, and Dane Moore. They are both smart GMs. I mean, they bargain bin at its finest. They, They 
they draft solid players like Renzo Kane and stuff. Mike, they Mike Mustakas took a while, but look at him now. Eric Hosmer signing guys like Salvador Perez, and they just know how to build teams. And that's Chester Renzo's issue. He does not know how to build a team. He builds it around one thing, and that's power. You can boast about the starting pitching all you want, but you need to score runs in order to win. And the Mariners have last so-and-so years, and he, and even before he was here, they had issues with – it was the other way around. They had issues with pitching. They had guys like Miguel Batista, Carlos Silva, Jeff Weaver. They, um, what, I forgot his name, but they've had – they had mediocre pitchers and then hitters like – that could hit the ball. And it's just back and forth, back and forth these last 14 years almost. They cannot find – they cannot find a center, a, a center point to just have solid hitting and solid pitching. And it's because Dax Zerunzig and his team just do not know how to find good guys. And it's time to rebuild once again. Yeah, it is time to rebuild. And uh, here's the thing, okay? Uh, we're going to take a quick short break. When we do come back, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and get into the last uh, uh, postseason drought that the uh, that the Mariners have had, but uh, or not the last one, but the but the longest the longest droughts, counting us. So we're going to take a quick short break, and when we come back, we're going to go ahead and get into the final segment of the show. So we'll be right back.
Welcome back to the final segment of tonight's late edition. Whoops, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, welcome back to the late night edition of Mariners Talk. I am your host, Mike, of course, and I'm with my guest, and of course, always loyal co-host Dan. And we are into the uh, the uh, final segment of our uh, again of the uh, late night. Mirrors Talk Edition, and Dan, I was going to tell you this. The here's the thing: um, we have the second longest current postseason drought. Okay, but the, the here's the thing: the third longest is the Miami Marlins. And I know you're going to laugh at this. Uh, I want to ask, and here's the thing: I want I, I want to give you three guesses to the fourth longest postseason drought. I'll give you three. I'll give you three guesses. Can you give me multiple choice, or do I just have to think of it? It, it just take it. Just take a stab at it. Um, let me think. I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm going through the visions in my head. Um. I will. All right. Let me give you. Let me give you a clue. It's a very hated team. Well, that doesn't make it any easier. All right, let me... The Astros. Oh, you got it on the first one. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the longest... Yes, here's the thing. Three teams in baseball have a 10 or longer year stretch of not making the postseason. And again, at first it's Toronto Blue Jays at 21 seasons. And again, the last time they went to the postseason, they won the whole thing. They won the 1993 World Series. The Seattle Mariners are next, 13 seasons, and possibly going to be 14 after this season. I'm I'm, I'm truly sorry, folks, but I I I I think it is going to be uh, 14 seasons. And the last time they were in there, they they made the the championship series in that 116 win season, which we will not discuss. Because again, I will say this: that that was one of the most pathetic postseasons I've ever seen a 100 te- a win team play. And Dan, what? I, I I guess we will get into it. Dan, I mean, what was your take of a team who won 116 games, goes to five games with a wild card team, and can't even get to the World Series? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess they just fell apart. I mean. It was extremely depressing, I mean, but to lose to the New York Yankees, I mean, that that has to be so mad. I mean, I mean, they lost the first game, they lost the second game, they lost, they they won, they crushed the Yankees in the third game, fourteen to three, and then the last game, they and the fourth game they lost, and the the fifth game they they got crushed. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they just fell apart. The hitting fell apart. It was just, it was all, it all went south in that series. It wasn't good. No, it wasn't. And here's the bad part, okay? Here's the thing. Looking at the uh, playoff drought for teams, out of the, let's see, um... Okay, not counting last year's, okay? So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, 
Yes, yeah, so I one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams. So that's twenty two teams that have been left out, okay? So out of the twenty two teams that have a playoff drought, four four of them may four of them went to the World Series the last time. And three of them won it all. And that was the Boston Red Sox, who only have a – and I will say this. Uh, let me just go ahead and put this out. The, the Red Sox, they're not going to do anything this year. So it will so it'll be put to two years of a playoff drought. So the Boston Red Sox, the Miami Marlins, who in 2003 won it as the, quote, Florida Marlins. And then the Houston Astros, who lost to the White Sox, I was actually cheering for the White Sox in that season. I, I will be truly honest. I was cheering for the White Sox. And then, of course, the team who has the longest playoff drought, the Toronto Blue Jays, and they won it all thanks to Joe Carter on that uh, walk-off, uh, that walk-off uh, game-winning home run to uh, win, the, win the entire thing. And, and that was really the last home run to win it all. And I – but – uh, I'm getting off topic, but Dan, I, I I have to tell you, I have to ask you this: with the Mariners sitting at where they are now in the division and in the wild card, let me actually let me go ahead and look this up because I um I think this might actually bring a little bit of comfort to a lot of people, and the only reason I say that is because. Um, uh, people actually looked last year at the wild card. And let's go ahead and look at that. And all right. So we are actually, so the Mariners are seven back in the wild card, okay? So we're basically at the same we're basically basically the wild card in the American League West are the same for the Mariners. That's kind of uh, that's that's a little funny because we're sitting seven back in the in the wild card, and the teams that are ahead of us are the Rangers, the Angels, the Tigers, the Blue Jays, and the Twins for the second spot in the wild card. The team that has the second spot in the wild card, here's the thing. There are two teams tied for the for the first spot in the wild card, and it's the Orioles and the Rays. So the team that is second in the wild card are the Yankees. So here's the thing. I, I don't think we really have to worry about the Rangers or the Angels, even though that we may have had their, have our struggles. But the Twins, the Blue Jays, and the Tigers, I think we do have to worry about. So Dan, I, I I want your take. What do the Mariners need to do, truly, to 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 figure out a way to not only maybe get to the second spot in the wild card, but get into that first place spot in the American League West? They need to start beating their division foes. Let me see if I can find this. I want to see, like, if I could find how they've done. Okay, i got to look somewhere else. i got to go to ESPN. Hold on. Because I'm trying... 
I'm trying to figure out how they done against their division. I'm pretty sure it's not too well. I mean, they just dropped another series of the Angels. Uh, this isn't going to show me either, but yeah. Anyway, and they they need to start doing well against their own division. I right, Houston's been good against them. Angels have been good against them. And the, really, the only team I can recall this year that they've been really well against is the A's. And and the, they just need to start playing better baseball. I mean, their their run differential right now after tonight is negative fifty one, and that is only worse. It the second-worst run differential in the American League ahead of the Chicago White Sox with a run differential of negative 81. You just – they have to start scoring more runs, and it's – they need to – their bullpen needs to start laying down the foundation and start helping the starting pitchers who pitch great games and earn those saves and holds. And another thing, Felix has to start – Hopefully, when July comes, Felix will get out of his rough stretch. But this team just needs a lot. Let's put it that way. They need so much going for them. The A's are practically tied with them, and it's pretty scary. The, the Rangers are falling apart, though, which is pretty good. They're 2-6 and six in their last 10, 2-8 and eight in their last 10. And we're 4-6 and six in our last 10. The A's are 5-5. Five and five. Astros are four and six, so they're kind of skidding. Angels are six and four, though, so I think the Angels are a threat. And their offense is just way better than ours. I'm sorry to say, but it is. They're, our pitching seems better at times, but I, it, I mean, I guess their their offense is just too good, and this team overall just needs to do a lot, and it starts with scoring more runs. Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, this team is basically dead last in uh, hitting with runners in scoring position. And this team is also dead last in batting average. So we're basically back to where we're back to square one. Now, and, and here's the thing. Let me, let me, let me, I'm going to go ahead and point this out because uh, we're going to end the podcast here in a couple minutes. But, Dan, let me ask you this. We brought Edgar Martinez. We fired Howard Johnson, who was a terrible hitting coach. Now, Edgar has done some pretty good things with Mike Zanino. I will admit that. But I think he needs to stop focusing on just one specific hitter, and he needs to start focusing on the whole team because – the fact that we go through this stretch of where we score seven runs in one game and then the next day we'll get only a couple hits and we can't score shit is pathetic. We can't do this. We need to put a – I will say this. If we, can put, if we can string together at least eight games in a row where we can score five runs and at least win – at least seven or six of those games, or six or six or seven of those games, and continue that stretch on through the rest of the season, we may have a shot at you know competing for the postseason. But but the, but the big but the big question is this: Why is it that we bring Edgar on, and our hitting seems to get worse? That's the big question I want to ask you. Why is it that we have been hitting a little bit worse 
with one of the best hitting ball players that has ever played the that has ever played the game should be a Hall of Famer. We'll get onto that on another podcast. I, I, I will say this: we will we will get onto Edgar Martinez not being a Hall of Famer on another podcast, but being coached by a a Hall of Fame hitter and hitting worse. Why has it gotten this worse? Or excuse me, how has it gotten this worse? That's the question I want to ask you, Dan. How has it gotten this worse? How has it gotten to to a point where we are questioning the fact that we have Edgar Martinez, the best hitting right-handed batter who has a an award named after him, the Edgar Martinez Award, awarded to the best designated hitter in baseball. We have him as our hitting coach. How is it got how is it that we have him as our hitting coach? And of course we fire our we fire our hitting, our original hitting coach who hasn't done squat and we suddenly have gotten worse hitting wise. How has it gotten to that point? Oh, it, it all I mean you gotta give it time first of all, but the sad thing is we don't have time. And I mean and the the second thing is that there's just not enough talent on this team as we thought there was. I mean there there are guys on this team that haven't done squad all year and it's gonna take time for them to do anything. I mean you got got I mean the the bright spot is that Daniel has been looking better. But you got guys like Brad Miller who hasn't I mean, somehow he's been a great shortstop in baseball war wise. But his average hasn't been up there. You got Mark Trumbo who has been like the poisonous team since he's come here. All he does is strike out. And then you got Cano's just declining in front of our eyes. And it's gonna take time and sadly this season wise we don't have time. But I really think he's our best option right now. I mean, I would, I'm going to say this right now. I don't think at this moment, out of all the available people I could take from any other team, I don't think I'd rather have anybody but Edgar. I believe he's going to help this line and figure stuff out. But it's going, in my opinion, it's going to be too late. But at least the guys will be here next year if they do decide to rebuild. At least then, you know, we'll hope, I think he'll be a lot better by the end of the season. Maybe a guy like Dustin Ackley will get better. Maybe a guy like Austin Jackson will keep improving like he has been. Maybe Brad Miller will figure it out. If we still have Lomo next year, maybe he'll figure it out. I, I think it's going to take time, and I don't really know if our hitting's gotten worse. It looks the same as before. Sometimes they look like they're taking more pitches, and then other nights just like, Let's just hack and slash again. I don't know. It's going to take time, but I wouldn't have anybody rather than him. I agree. I I would not want to have anybody but him. And I will say this. Austin Jackson's uh, contract is up at the end of this year. And I will say this. I think the mayor should re-sign him for three years. I'd say three years because um, maybe not. Not that sure of his age, just because of his age. But um, 
DJ Peterson, I will say this, okay, if there's one thing that Jack Zarensic has done well, it's the progression of DJ Peterson. And I think you can agree with me on this, Dan. The fact that they have not rushed DJ Peterson has been impressive because DJ Peterson had a bat, had a uh, was hit in the face last year, so he had a little bit of a or, or the year before actually, the year before he was hit in the face, so he had that um, put him back a year, but he's managed to come back and he's managed to have a decent year. He's not the best hitting uh, players that we have, but he's one of the but he's the top prospect that we have right now in our organization, and I think if we continue to progress him like he, like we do now, he's going to be a very successful hitter when he comes up to the big leagues, and he's going to put on a show for us. And, I, and what I mean by that is he's going to hit home runs, he's going to drive in runs, he's going to make gold glove plays almost on a consistent basis. Yeah, I think he's going to be our first baseman. But, Mike, he's in 210 right now with a 289 on-base percentage with four home runs and 31 RBIs. I mean, he's driving in guys, but his average is not there. Um, But I guess maybe the injury might have something to do with it. But I I still believe in the guy. I've watched him, and he's he's a great hitter. But, yeah, we're just lucky that Lomo hasn't tanked and that Trumbo, I guess, is still healthy and Montero hasn't tanked. I mean, otherwise Peterson would get to the Nino treatment. And we definitely don't need to see that again. And on Austin Jackson, you read my mind. I was going to say three-year deal. My, I say three-year deal, $36 million, pay him $12 million a year. I mean, I do not want to give him four years age-wise, too. But we have no death at center field right now, and we definitely need him. I mean, he, he's he been great this year, and we definitely need him for the next couple of seasons until we develop somebody to be our future center fielder. Oh, I full-heartedly agree. And uh, you were looking at free agents before the show began, and I, and I want you to give um, – first off, I, I, I want you to give – uh, tell me a couple free agents that stand out to you that the Mariners may sort of um, pursue that may actually help out this team. And I say that because uh, here's the thing. Before the show began, uh, Dan said that there was not a lot of real good talent out there for the Mariners, but I want him to. Get, but I want Dan to give me maybe a couple players that could possibly stand out as players who may help us out. All right, this was last updated April 6th, but this is on MLB Trade Rumors. And so right now I don't see much at catching, not much infield-wise, but outfield-wise, we we could definitely, fourth outfielder-wise, if Goody doesn't play again or just to add somebody regardless, I could see I, I could see a great guy. We can draw a par is only twenty nine. He, he could be a great option. I mean, he's having a pretty good year for the Brewers. Let me bring up his stats. So Gerardo Parra is hitting this year. He's hitting. Oh, I'm sorry. 
This year he's hitting 287 with a 369 base percentage for the Brewers with 20 RBIs and five home runs in 73 games. I, I think he could be a great fourth outfielder, or if or if uh, Jackson walks, we could possibly bring him in. Well, uh, looking at his list, we we could also bring a guy like Roger Davis. So so we have some options. Or Dexter Fowler, he's a pretty nice guy too. We we have options, regardless of if Jackson walks. But and then if you look at right field, if we really want to bring in if Crew, let's say my option, my plan goes, and they do trade Crew, and they want to sign a free agent right to replace him. I mean, uh, Jason Hayward's on the free agency market. He'll be 26. Or you have a guy like you have a guy like uh, David Murphy. You can give like a one to two year deal. Or if they want to go all in finally and Justin Upton, they could do that. They have options in right field too. DH wise, they can get a guy like Adam Lins. He's phenomenal against right-handed pitching. He's 32, so I don't know if he wants a big contract. I would say no, but two to three years possibly. And starting pitching wise, this is where it gets really interesting. If we let Iwakuma walk and Paxton continues to be injured, and then there are some options I think that would be better than Elias. I we can get a guy like I, I would love to see us have Scott Casimir. I like watching Casimir, and he's gonna be a free agent, and it would be no, he's only thirty two. So we can get him for three to four years, two, three to four years, and he would be a great guy having our rotation along with Montgomery, Walker, and Felix. And you can throw him in there, or Paxton, or and then there's there's some other guys. I mean, we can we can get like Gallardo's going to be a free agent. I like Jaime Garcia, even though he's often injured. Maybe get him uh, inside the base deal. So th- th- there are some options here. It's a really slim market like last year, but there there are definitely things we could do. And we're speaking of bullpen guys, I mean, and, and Darren O'Day is going to be a free agent. He's a phenomenal reliever. If we can get him, I'd be pretty happy. Um, Santiago Castillo, he's getting old, but he's been pretty good for the for the Giants. Tyra Clipper, he's a great reliever. He's been pitching for the A's this year. <laughs> Left-handed wise, guys like uh, I'm looking at this list. Hold on, guys like JP Howell, he's a great pitcher. Sean Marshall, I, I remember him with the Cubs. He was really good. He got to trade the Brewers. He's been pretty good when healthy for them. <clears throat> I I mean I don't know if it'd be great to bring Eric O'Flaherty back, but he was great with the Braves. And then you got like James Russell, who's been with the Cubs this year, he's been pretty good. Tony Sip, another great lefty. Anyway, there, there are some options, and there's not much, but there are definitely some guys I think on this free agency roster that could help improve this club. You agree, Mike? Oh yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, there's plenty of guys that you named off that can definitely help this team out, uh, possibly this year. If we if we could have gotten them, but if not, then they can definitely help us out next year. I mean, right now, 
I, I, I truly think that the season may be over. I think it is time for the for Mariner fans to start panicking because it's this is a, this is a point a point in the season where Mariner fans are thinking that the season is over. And here's the thing: uh, the season not really over, but I will start to say. We're getting very close to that point where we need to start pressing the panic button on this season for the Mariners. Yeah, I mean, I'm the complete opposite way. I think panic buttons already been pushed. I, I think we need to. I mean, Director Rudzik, I don't think he's going to be here next year. So I don't. I think what we're going, what's going to actually ultimately happen this season, is he's going to ruin this team by going all out and trying to save his job. And we're going to be in the same situation that we were in when Bavazi was gone. And then we're going to have another guy come in and talk about his three- to five-year plan. But really, I hope Jack Z just digs into his brain and thinks, for once, thinks. And if he's going to start rebuilding now, make sure that... I know, make sure you do it for the next guy, because if we have to rebuild, I don't think he's going to be here. Don't go all out and try to save your job. For for the fans, do it for the fans. Make, make us happy for once. I mean, you made us happy last year, but it, it wasn't even complete happiness. It was real, it was extreme disappointment that last week of the season. Listen, just for once, do something that we'd like to see Create a, start building a team that we can look forward to for years and years to come. And if we're going to rebuild, I don't think it's if we do it smartly, it could take one off season. I believe. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, Dan. And uh, with that, we are actually going to end the podcast tonight. I do want to, and before we uh, get off the air, I do want to thank Dan. Um, it is going on one forty-two at night in Chicago, and I want to thank him uh, personally for just, you know, being on the show this late at night, and, you know, he's been with me, he's been with me since uh, we have not been, since this podcast podcast has not been Soto Mojo uh, podcast, so, Dan, thank you so much for being on the show again, it, it's, it's always a joy every week to talk marriage with you, man. Agreed, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, no problem. And with that, we are ending the podcast. And uh, not sure if we will be uh, on next week. Uh, but uh, I will give you updates. But until then, we are signing off. And uh, go Mariners. <laughs>